Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Today, we are going to be going into the last of the series this August. Thank you all for joining me on this one on uh, how we got from one area of NBA, you know, evolution of positions to now. Um, some of it's good, some of it's bad, but we get to, we talk about the evolution. So uh, the first episode, we talked about the, uh, the evolution of the chucker and how we view someone who is a chucker or uh, what that, you know, uh, how that has evolved over the years where bad shots are no longer considered to be bad shots. Then uh, the following week, we got into centers and footwork and how uh, the NBA's in the probably basically post Shaquille O'Neal um, circa 2005, it became a death area of, of centers not being able to use their feet. Um, and hopefully, they uh, uh, the, re- the advent of Nikola Jokic and um, uh, Joel Embiid and players of their ilk has brought back the uh, uh, the sweet-footed center. Now, this week, I'm going to talk to you about the small forward position and how it's evolved specifically since the 80s. Um, you could make a convincing argument that small forwards were not really valued in the NBA until about the 80s. Um, it, it was not used it was it was a basically I, I read an article recently and it summed it up pretty well um it said that uh, uh small forwards were uh, basically treated like power forwards who could shoot they didn't get the opportunities of guards uh, or centers um just due to the way the nba nba had evolved um, Julius Irving really broke the mold in the ABA. Now people forget this. Julius Irving, his by far his best years were in the ABA. Um, people associate him with his finals appearances with the the 76ers, but uh, Dr. J, the superstar from 1971 to 1977 or 76, uh, when the merger happened, um, his best years were the ABA. And by the time uh, he gets to, you know, 1983, the guy who really broke the mold and really created the uh, uh, small forward position as it became um, was largely not the player he was. And and we talked about this in the last episode in 83. It was basically Moses Malone who was the catalyst for that 1983 uh, Philadelphia 76ers team, along with Mo Cheeks and uh, Bobby Jones. Uh, but by even by then, Bobby Jones was largely not the player he used to be. Um, so really, it had become, you know, the, the guy who had pioneered it, and you would only see that pioneering uh, out there uh, if you had watched the ABA. 
anyone who goes in and watches the series against the Nuggets in 1976, the ABA Finals, you will see uh, Dr. J single-handedly beat a, a team. Uh, the the Nuggets were by far the more complete and all-around team, and they had three arguable. We had one superstar and two uh, and a and a star in Dan Issel and a uh, uh, supreme role player in Bobby Jones at the time. So anyway, long story short, <clears throat> you get to the late seventies, um, and there are players that are starting to round in the form. Uh, Adrian Dantley. Alex English out here in, in Denver. Um, Bernard King comes in. Um, you know, these players that come in uh, um, that are small forwards. So basically in the 80s, a small forward was someone anywhere from 6'6 six, six to 6'8. Six, okay. Um, and that changed over the years. And I'll get to that in the second half of the podcast. And one of the reasons the, the quote unquote small forward position has has is not what it used to be and the era of them being primary scorers began um larry bird comes in in 79 really it was 70 uh, alex english came in 76 uh dantley was i think 77 um these players came in and they they were primary scorers on teams which you hadn't seen before and that carried almost the entire decade of the 80s. It, the, really, the 80s was the era of the small forward. Um, and, and if we're talking about Alex English, Alex English um, got the majority of his points by posting up, which is not something you see a lot, a tremendous amount here in the modern NBA. Um, Alex English would get within five, you know, 10 feet of the basket, do his turnaround uh uh, high release point shot couldn't be blocked, and uh, that was that was his thing, and that was uh, rarely did he do a face the basket thing, other if he wasn't driving, um, unless it was a runner. Uh, he really was Alex English. Really was a uh, a post uh, baseline uh, jumper player. He really was a different breed. Um, and um, Larry Bird took it into point small forward, right? And those things that uh, that came in were 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 largely due to these players who broke the mold. The 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 players in the seventies and the sixties and the fifties uh, that were small forwards weren't valued. Um, your it was your power forwards, your centers, your your guards, and the, the the small forward wasn't as integral a piece until the most talented players were coming into the year, largely due to the influence of uh, Dr. J. K became the primary scoring focus for these teams, um, and these these teams that uh, began to use these became dominant scoring forces. Um, James Worthy was a was a great scoring. Uh, uh, small forward. These players had all uh, had had skills. Alex English was a good good rebounder, as I remember. Um, he was always close to the basket. He would get a lot of offensive rebounds. Um, but these players weren't used on defense, and this sort of thing that is kind of kept to the same as we go into later in history. But as we get into the nineties, the small forward position became a little different. 
Um, as I described in the in the last episode, the uh, the the. the, the the center position, the, the real, the dominance of the center position, um, it was as we know it as the classic back to the basket center. Really, was the late eighties into the mid nineties, um, and that fundamentally changed the way we looked at small forwards. Uh, Scottie Pippen was the standout small forward of the of the nineteen nineties. The standout small forward of the nineteen nineties. Um, you had others, um, but. Even the Denver Nuggets, their small forward was Reggie Williams in the early 90s. And Reggie was a scorer, um, but he was a three-point shooter. And um, there were just, just but the position had changed. These, these, these players like Danley, like King, like English, like, um, you know, these players that had come, um, that had come into the, to the league, um, in the late seventies, basically the, the position fundamentally changed in the nineties. It, it, the, the, the small forward wasn't your primary focus of your offense anymore. It, it really shifted to, with the help of Michael Jordan, uh, shifted to two guards and centers. Um, and with some help from power forwards, I mean, you have Carl Malone, who was a, who was a power forward and did a lot of scoring, um, uh, Antonio McDice in the late '90s uh, was a was a scoring power forward, um, but it really evolved into a different place. And the small forward position has gone in and out of 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 desirability and uh, viability as the years have gone on. And this this is one of the few things that has not been directly influenced by analytics in that way the the evolution of the small forward position has always been how many talented players coming in the league are small forwards like for example the michael porter junior is is plays small forward he can play he can play power forward and in fact probably should be playing power forward because of how he can exploit still exploit um on that end but the on the on the other side of that is is uh, Aaron Gordon, who probably who came into the league as a small forward, it really is better as a power forward. It is it's a strange dichotomy. Um, uh, there are there are ways to look at that, and I'll I'll go into that uh, further in the second half of the podcast. But as you go through the nineties, the the this, the position becomes less of a of a focal point. Two guards take over, um, and then when Iverson and Kobe come into the league, it really gets center guard heavy. And it is all due to, as I was trying to explain a minute ago, it was it, it was largely due to who is coming into the league. Um, what players are coming into the league that are that are dominating in that way. And uh, the era of the small forward, which really had its heyday in uh, the late the eighties, was officially had officially died off by the nineties. Uh, largely killed by Michael Jordan, and this aspect, this aspect is one of the more underrated parts of it. Um, years and years ago, I've I've told this story years, you know, for for years on this podcast. Is that uh, in the bowels of Pepsi Center at the time, as it was known, Ball Arena? Um, now, in, I I I managed to ask Kiki Vandaway, who is vice president of something in the NBA. Uh, he well, at least he was at the time, and I asked him about. Um, 
why we no longer see certain players, you know, emphasized anymore and why these things are, are so different than they were before. And I think this is like 2014, if I remember correctly, uh, 13 or 14. And, uh, and Kiki said to me, it'll change when different types of players come into league and they become the most talented players. Like you're starting to starting to see with centers in the, in the NBA. So in the in the in the nineties it became guards and centers, and it was it was a big change from the eighties, which was point guard and small forward. So uh, and these things usually go in conjunction with each other. So you always have one, two positions, um, uh, even though the Jazz really didn't have a standout small forward. During the time of Stockton and Malone, you still had the standout point guard. Um, in uh, um, the one exception, obviously, was the Bulls with Scottie Pippen. But Scottie Pippen could play power forward, and Scottie Pippen was an all-around great defensive player. And that is really how um, the league kind of moved in the '90s as the, as the game got slower, due to the fact that there was so center-centric as you go through the years. And then Jordan retires and the NBA goes through, as I pointed out last week, uh, it goes through its identity crisis. And the identity crisis um, really helped the new era of the small forward. Um, The 2003 draft featured Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James, two guys who came into the league as small forwards. Uh, Carmelo was six foot eight, LeBron six foot eight. Uh, they are players that could are you know, six foot nine for LeBron. Um, players that could score and fill it up on and that end at at the small forward position. Yes, you still had Kobe Bryant um, and some ancillary other players, but Carmelo and LeBron and LeBron James coming into the year in two thousand into the league in the two thousand three really fundamentally shifted the small forward position emphasis back. Uh, to um, scoring small forwards, which is why Ron Artest slash Meta World Peace um, was such a valuable piece that kept drifting around the league during his, you know, his 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 time um, was the how he was able to guard the small forward position, which there wasn't a tremendous amount of players circa nine or excuse, circa two thousand ten, maybe about two thousand. 2005 to 2010-ish, um, wasn't there very many players who could guard the small forward position, which is one of the reasons uh, Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James and um, the other players that came into the league like that, um, how they were able to to excel in that way. And it was it was it was it was really almost a new heyday. Um, you had more players coming in who really were trying to break the mold at small forwards throughout the post-Jordan era, but primarily since the 2003 draft all the way up to, like I said, to about 2010 before the decision. And I always put the dividing line at the decision as to when things changed because when LeBron went to Miami, that changed things. And I will be talking about that after I talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. As I said over and over, uh, I just read about uh, Blanchard Family Wines because they are uh, they are just 
a good place. I mean, I don't get compensated for this. I just uh, have decided that they are a place that has been deserving of of my support. And I have uh, genuinely supported them uh, since I started reading for them in 2019. Um, So go in. If you get the Jeff recommendation, get some of the, the any of the red varietals. They're all good. Uh, but try the Blake Street blend. Um, it's um, Blend is basically, people have asked me about this, a blend is a table wine. Um, it is not a varietal specific thing. It is a blend of other, of like, you know, cabs and Mobex and Merlots and all that stuff to the person's taste who is blending them at the time. So that is why you, you you get that, but they got they don't have the cab yet. Um, I'm gonna have be asking around to see. I mean, I actually actually I may go into Blanchard to see if they uh, uh, if they have one, but um, uh, but they do have uh, partnerships with Western Slope wineries that do have red wines, and they also got partnerships with, partnerships with Western Slope wineries that have white wines and Rieslings, which is very popular from uh, uh, Western Colorado. Uh, if you go to bfwdenver.com, you can pick yourself up a bottle. You can uh, reserve yourself a table, get yourself some swag, anything that you need right there, one-stop shop. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown, Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. Post-decision, the NBA um, started embracing what we know as positionless basketball. And the, the, the positionless part of it has always been meant to, to describe no centers. And that has largely been ascribed to Chris Bosh going in with... Uh, uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James to the Miami Heat, and basically Chris Brosh, who was a base, really a power forward, playing center and um, smalling down the lineup, become to becoming more switchable and, vers- and, and versatile, which in, which necessitated some changes in style of play and and things like that. So it really is a that is what the cold positionless thing is. Um, but it also affected small forwards because small forwards post decision started going through another evolution to basically being in obsolete or being lumped into what is called the wing position. Now, essentially, uh, um, we were where the NBA positioned itself was anyone who comes into the league is anywhere between six foot four and six foot nine, ten, right around there, can be grouped in what is called the wing position. That is that is where you will see scouts and everyone else kind of groping grouping these players. So that encompasses the shooting guard, small forward, power forward, wing. Um, and that could go across any of those three positions. Um, DeMar DeRozan is considered to be a wing player. He would not have been considered a wing player in either the 90s or the 80s. Uh, he would have been called specific, very specifically a shooting guard. Okay. Uh, Danilo Gallinari would have been called a power forward if he was in the league uh, uh, in the 90s. Um, he would have taken 
the late 90s Dirk Nowitzki thing. And Dirk Nowitzki himself, was off, who often played center, would play, uh, was power forward. Um, these are players, these are, these are instances where things changed. And it wasn't necessarily, people always descri- ascribe analytics these, this nefarious or too positive notion, okay? And it's, 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 it's one of those things where I, I, I want to get people to step back and understand that, that it's not about the, the nebulous nature of what analytics is. And it is all about the way the NBA emphasizes the way, where they place the rules, basically. Now, the emphasis on hand-checking did not affect um, a small forward position. But what it did do was it uh, affected the... Um, the shooting guards and point guards, which in itself affected small forwards. So small forwards have kind of evolved into just um, the, the nebulous wing thing because height no longer matters, I guess, in that way. Um, Clay Thompson is a shooting guard at six foot seven. Okay. Alex English was a small forward at six foot seven in the 80s. Okay. Those things are, 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 just nebulous now. They're not the same. They, they, it, the height requirement isn't the same. And where the positionless basketball thing, in my mind, aside from the center, has really affected the small forward position more than anything else. There's always been jumper shooting um, power forwards. Um, you know, that it, it, it's, I mean, I go, I go back to Antonio McDice who came back uh, from Phoenix with a very nice turnaround jumper baseline where he would he would turn the opposite way that you would think and it was great um, his that that sort of thing was uh, um, always around Carl Malone shot eight 15 to 18 foot jumpers routinely um, Sean Kemp would do the same Um it, it is it is the way it evolved as for not evolved but it's the way it was. Dan Issel in the seventies was a stretch five, um, and his ability to stretch Kareem out came from his playing the power forward position with the Kentucky Colonels in uh, the early seventies. So. Uh, the power forward position has always been a, a, a quote unquote stretchy thing. The difference is that the modern era is they stretch them out to the to the three point line. Um, the small forward position has been the one that has quote unquote suffered the most because centers are starting to come back. So your traditional dominant small forward is is basically not around anymore. Carmelo Anthony, and this is you know people could point to Carmelo. New York Carmelo Anthony, particularly 2013, played more of his his position at small forward than he ever did. In, uh, excuse me, at uh, power forward than he ever did in Denver. In fact, I rarely, rare, we rarely saw Carmelo Anthony play uh, power forward here in with the Nuggets. In fact, I think George George Carl would have wanted him to play more power forward, but he didn't. Uh, Carmelo Anthony was almost exclusively a small forward in. Uh, his time in Denver. It wasn't until his, I think his second or third season in New York, he started playing power forward 
and shooting a bunch of threes. But that was direct uh, result of the evolution of, of the way people thought about the wing position and how fungible things became between the two to the four spot. Um, generally, you know, you know, I say two to four, but it's generally two and three. But um, the four spot also gets af- affected by that because the, the three can bump up to a four. So in, in reality, in absolute reality, the evolution of the game spreading everything out to the three-point line, and when I say evolution, the NBA basically forcing it that way via rules, is is how the small forward position is not extinct, but it's different. And it's why everything is called wings now, because they want everything to be this, this switchable, fungible thing. Um, Chris Middleton, right, can play three. He really is a two, right? Uh, if, if you're talking about, you know, positional basketball as we as we knew it for years and years and years in the 70, now 76 years of the NBA, um, he would have been a two. Um, there are other players like that who've come through the league. The 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 uh, Vince Carter, Vince Carter was a was a three, and played three through most of his his prime, almost his entire prime. Uh, Tracy McGrady, a three. Tracy McGrady was had that certain height where he could only play that position, but. Towards the end of his career, he leaked a little into the two spot, but really he was always a three. Once McGrady and uh, Vince Carter, I mean, McGrady was the year before Vince Carter came in. So once these guys started fading out, and even though Vince Carter hung on to the league probably five years longer than he should have, um, once once that faded out, it just became nebulous. Like Danilo Gallinari, I keep pointing out to it, played power, uh, small forward, power forward, and sometimes center for the 2013 Denver Nuggets, right? Uh, positional versatility became more valuable than your scoring ability. And the scoring forwards were largely um, uh, removed from the league by the time you get to 2020, 2021, um, you, you know, Michael Porter Jr., as I said before, probably should be playing four. Um, his second year of actual playing in the league, and his, which was his third year, um, he was more effective when he played the four. Um, and did, it's going to be interesting to see what the Nuggets do as they get into this next year with everyone knock on wood, healthy. Um, so maybe he plays three. You know, One of the reasons this has evolved and evolved in a certain way is because the positionless basketball, you've needed to cover more ground and you can't just be a one-dimensional scoring forward anymore. And, and, and I hope if anyone has listened to this series of mine, and you, you, you. Hopefully, you have heard no judgment from me. And at least that's my intention. That's not. That is not my intent to judge the way the NBA has evolved. I'm just trying to give you an explanation of why we got there. Um, and each era, um, particularly when you have to go with a small forward, has been almost entirely due to, and that is the only one I would say that is largely due to circumstances. Um, outside of the centers where there just wasn't anyone who knew how to use their feet for 
years. Um, but with the small forward position, there's plenty of people who come into the league who, who could be small forwards, but due to the way the NBA uses their positions, you're not going to see that unless the NBA evolves in a, a way that we're not anticipating right now. Gone are the days of the superstar um, uh, small forwards that dominated the 80s and dominated the early, the early aughts. They're, they're, they're not around anymore. Uh, but will they come back? Who knows? Who knows? But it's going to depend on emphasis and the types of players that come into the league. And you, and you never know. Um, uh, the NBA can change rules again. I, I, I fully, and, and at the end of this series, I'm just going to th- throw this out there. I fully anticipate the NBA doing something about the amount of threes that are shot and um, how reliant teams are on three-point shots. Um, with the emergence of Jokic and Embiid and even Domates Sabonis and Carl uh, Anthony Towns, who can shoot threes, um, that you, with, even with that, 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 I think where the league is going is they're tr- going to reach a point where there's so, so many good big men that they will make another adjustment. I don't know what that will be, but they will make another adjustment. And you may see another evolution of the small forward coming back in. Right now, it's shooting point guards and uh, and shooting guards um, and, you know, maybe some, some fours. But uh, outside of Jokic and Embiid and, you know, and how good they are. Um, so maybe it'll shift back to, um, more emphasis on small forwards. Who knows? But I do fully anticipate within the next five years, the NBA will say, okay, this is getting boring. We need to help out the players who have come into the league, uh, with that, with the next evolution and emphasize the rules go that way. I really fully anticipate that happening again, just like they did with tanking. So Anyway, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mordcast. Uh, I will be back next week. I'm, it's not going to be part of the series, but uh, you know, next Monday I'll have a I have a different uh, of a different uh, thing to talk about, and we'll see what, from there. So, anyway, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mordcast. I'll be back next week with another episode. Goodbye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.